0: Well, good morning again. Good morning. Y'all all right? Y'all doing good? We're lopsided. It's like, hang on. I'm going to go over here. You guys scare me. <laughs> okay, so we're continuing a series. that's called Unlikely Heroes. And today we are going to be looking at Moses. And, you know, last week I, I went through the history of Daniel. And uh, I thought I'd explain uh, kind of my process a little bit because uh, I think that that might be helpful. When I went to seminary, there was a young man, and he was in, it was my, our first year, and it was the first semester, and we were in Old Testament together, and we had a conversation after class that still influences me today, obviously, because I'm talking about it in church. Uh, now, in seminary, we went to Candler School of Theology down at Emory. In seminary, you're going to be challenged in, to, you know, about what you believe, why you believe it. Uh, in fact, during our orientation, the dean at that time, I think she's still the dean, uh, Jan Love, Said something. This is a paraphrase, but but this was her point. She said people are going to tell you that we're trying to steal your Jesus, and they did. I literally, people would say, "Don't let them steal your Jesus when you go to cemetery." Or, or <laughs> 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 and they call it cemetery, the place where faith goes to die. You know, it, it, it's just all of this. And Jan the, the Dean loved, to her credit hit that head on you know people are going to tell you that we're here trying to steal your Jesus that's not what we're trying that's not what we're trying to do but i will tell you that by the time you graduate you will know what you believe and why you believe it you'll be grounded in your faith when you walk out of here you're going to have a solid foundation we will challenge you and they did, absolutely. <laughs> so this young man's name was Adam, and I were talking, and he was, he was straight in school. I mean, he'd gone through high school, finished his uh, undergrad, and straight into uh, seminary. And we were, we were talking, and it was actually after a discussion that disputed the who wrote the Pentateuch, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? Because church, most churches simply say that Moses wrote those first five books. Now, in Deuteronomy, it'd be a little bit rough for him to write the part after he died, but... Uh, most churches, they just describe it to him, and then uh, that's what Adam had been taught, and that's what he believed. And now that belief was being challenged. Was this an oral history that had been carried forward for many centuries before it was actually ever written down? Was Moses a real person at all? Did the Exodus happen? Was that something that, 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 that was real? What about the parting of the Red Sea? You know, on their route to the promised land, it made more sense if they went through this swampland called the Reed Sea. So did they mistranslate Reed into red? Because Red Sea is kind of out of the way. And all of these questions, you know, everything is on the table for discussion and dispute in seminary. I mean, we are to be challenged. Why do you believe What you believe. And by the way, I think that we ought to be that. take that. We need to challenge ourselves outside of seminary. You know, we need to be looking at, okay, why do I believe this? So anyway, Adam, we were talking and he said, why didn't they tell me? Why didn't my church tell me this? Why am I finding this out now? They should have told me. And I believe the church should have said something. You know, so here we are, right? I'm saying something. There's a lot of dispute. Um, I don't have worries about, you know this if you've been here at all, I don't have worries about the word being challenged. I don't have worries about scripture. I don't have, certainly don't have worries about God being challenged. I I think God can handle it, you know, and I think that he, I don't know, I I think he expects it of us. I think he expects us to have some questions. If we're searching for him, and I mean, if we're really searching for him, we're going to bump into stuff. You know, why is it? Why is there evil in the world? Why are these bad things happening? This is a good person. We should be wrestling with some of these questions. I don't think that shocks God. I don't think that that surprises him at all. I will tell you this about what I believe about Scripture. I know. In the translation, you know, we have ancient manuscripts that we don't have autographs. We don't have the originals. But what we have are ancient manuscripts that often go within a generation or two of the original, of when it was written. Now, not everything that's written is always exactly right. Sometimes we have manuscripts where a scribe would obviously must have been tired, missed a line. And and that's why we have, like, multiple manuscripts to compare to see what the text really says. It takes work. Did you know that Hebrew doesn't translate directly to English? You know, people who hold up a Bible that is in English and say, it's exactly perfect. I got news for you. There's some issues with translation from languages. And when a language, when you go from Hebrew or Aramaic to Latin to English, now you got three languages. I'm just saying, don't get too bound up in that that stuff. Search it, you know, dive deep. I believe the word is inerrant. And I believe the inerrancy of the Bible is, 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 is true. Does it have any mistakes in it? Yes. Is it infallible? I don't, I don't go that far. I think humans had, had something to do with it, but it is inerrant. And there's a message in the Bible, I don't care who you are, from the beginning to the end, there is a message. God wants to be in relationship with you. It was from Adam, it was all the way through, he sent Jesus to make sure that the bridge was gapped, and he wants that relationship with you today. That's the message of the Bible, from beginning to Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about relationship with you, and that is the message of the Bible. God loves you. Say that, God loves me. Amen, that's true. Grab hold of that. If, if you don't get nothing else out of Moses, just know that God loves you because it's true. He loves you very, very much. Where was I? Oh, yeah, Moses. <laughs> a lot of you know this is Moses, right? I guess, I guess Christian Bale is, is the new one, sort of. I don't know how many people saw Gods and Kings. I didn't actually see it yet, but one day I will. Uh, so Moses, was he a real person? Here's the answer. We simply don't know. We don't have any archaeological evidence to support that Moses was a real person. There were a lot of thoughts about it. I mean, and some of the, you know, was the name ascribed similar to Daniel? Was his name taken from somewhere else? A lot of the pharaohs had a Moses in their name, so was that a name that would have weight? Um, we have a lot of scriptural support, a lot of scriptural support. So it's kind of like if, if you believe scripture is the word of God, you're probably going to go, yeah, there was a Moses. If you, if you don't, then you're probably going to go, well, I don't know if there was a Moses or not. But for me, I treat him like Daniel. I think he was the person that God used in amazing ways. And unlike Daniel, see, Daniel, some of y'all have been in church from the start and just kind of hung in there, and, 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 and your walk has been solid, and that's awesome. You're like Daniel. It's a faith like Daniel. You know, Daniel was taken out of a circumstance and put into, you know, by the the Babylonians, but he maintained his faith in the face of all the things that came up against him. He maintained his faith. And maybe that's you, and I got news for you this morning. Did you know that God wants to use you to reach people, if that's who you are? Moses, uh, he's not Daniel. (laughs) Moses had a lot of shortcomings. Moses had had some (laughs) Moses had some issues and this series one of the key points of this whole series is to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of connect us to some of these characters connect us to parts of their story so that we can maybe grab hold of the idea that you don't have to be perfect for God to use you who are we what's that a group of Imperfect imperfect people what are we doing? We're seeking Jesus, right? We're following Jesus. That's who we are, and you don't have to be perfect, and that's great. That's, you know, a good thing. Anybody in here perfect? (laughs) I look at Angel because it's an inside joke. (laughs) Um, And we're not going to go through all of these biblical characters. just a few examples, right? So so you see I have the list up here. I got another one. It says, Noah got drunk and partied naked after God delivered him and his family from death on the ark. And he's still messed up. Jacob raised perhaps the most dysfunctional family in the history of dysfunctional families. Judah slept with his daughter-in-law. He didn't know his daughter-in-law, but he still slept with his daughter-in-law. David was a fantastic king. And then he saw Bathsheba, and things kind of went south for him. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived in Old Testament times but really struggled with sex And God and cynicism. (laughs) Elijah saw one of the most powerful displays of God's power in history with fire coming down and and consuming an offering and then promptly fell into a self-pitying depression (laughs) that plagued him. Jonah ran away from God again and again and again. Peter denied Jesus. And you got more up here. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a... It's lots of examples of imperfect people seeking God. Today, we come to the man, Moses. If you look in a concordance, uh, there's at least 800 times that Moses is mentioned in the Bible. He's, he's indeed among the key or major characters of God's Word. Moses is an important guy. And the hero, Moses, is summarized in Hebrews chapter 11. Those, those of you who, you know, Hebrews 11 is kind of a hallmark of the, of the heroes of the faith, you know. And Moses is in there in Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. It says, by faith. Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Hebrews makes Moses look good. Now we have a meeting on Thursday nights, and Moses would have fit in on it really, really well. It's called Celebrate Recovery, because Moses had some hurts, habits, and hang-ups. He just did, you know. Among those, let's, let's let's try this one.
1: Ever wonder why you feel the way you do? We'll get to know your emotions when things go wrong. Anger is there. This is anger. He will make sure the world knows anger is in control. But what you really need to watch out for is when he's out of control. Get to know all your emotions with Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Rated PG.
0: So Moses, uh, nice, calm guy, right? No, Moses had a temper. A uh, couple of examples. One, Exodus 2, 11 through 12. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. <laughs> and I love this part. Looking this way and that <laughs> and seeing nobody, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. See, remember the story of Moses. He, he was discovered floating in the bulrushes by Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him during the rescue. Uh, Pharaoh appoints Moses' own mother, although she didn't know it at the time, as Moses' nursemaid. And she must have told him who he really was because we have, have this. He was an Israelite. His people were slaves. So he goes out and he sees this Egyptian mistreating an Israelite slave. And looking both, I love that, that you know, it, there's no doubt about the premeditation of what Moses did here. This, this was, he's like, okay, is anybody watching? He didn't know that there were actually were some guys watching. We're not going to get into that this week, but, but there were some folks watching him. He kills him, and he buries him in the sand. And, and look, you know, mistreatment and cruelty are, are seedbeds to anger and uncontrolled rage. The Bible tells us this in James 1, 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger or woman's does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So Moses gets mad and reacts and kills the Egyptian. The second incident has to do with these two tablets that he had. Uh, They were pretty pretty important uh, tablets. Uh, Exodus 32, 19, see that he went up to be with God, and they were down there, and they, were, uh, they made this golden calf because he was gone on 40 days, and they weren't sure what to do. So he comes down, he sees them, and they're dancing around this golden calf, and his anger burned. He threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to the piece, into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Now, the back story is that 40 days in the holy presence of God, I mean, it was, it, it would, I don't even know what that would be like. And so when he came down and he saw the idolatry, I'm sure it had an impact. But for Moses, that led to anger and a loss of control because these tablets that he was carrying had important stuff on them. They had this, uh, what, what are they called? Ten, ten, yeah, ten commandments written by God. <laughs> these are kind of, I mean, that's a little Im- Important, right? I mean God the finger of God wrote these ten, ten commandments on these tablets and Moses comes down and what is he the first thing he does when he gets to the bottom of the hill <laughs> bam <laughs> I, 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 I know what happened immediately after bam uh oh <laughs> you know because <and laughs> he's going to have to go back up and try and explain this uh, what happened to my tablets <laughs> Moses calm right Another uh, one more. We could go. We can go further, but one more. This is, this is a, a time in Numbers chapter twenty verses seven through twelve, and this one had great consequences for him. The Lord said to Moses, "Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak. This is important. Speak to the to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water." you will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff in the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He did that part perfectly. He and Aaron gathered everybody together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raises his arm. Did he speak? He smashes, he hits the rock with with, with the staff, twice, and water gushes out the community, and their livestock drank. So he's just mad at his people. He was mad at his people a lot. But here's the thing. There was a consequence for that. We are free to do whatever we want. And I mean, we can do whatever we want, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices. And Moses had a consequence, and Aaron had consequences. Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land that I have given them. After leading this group of people, Moses, was not going to go to the promised land because of his anger. So clearly, Moses, anybody have problems with anger? Now, wait, don't answer that. Don't, don't. I don't want you to get mad at me. Except Dolores. You're, you can get mad at me. <laughs> but here's the thing. It didn't keep him out of that Hebrews 11 group, right? Heroes of the faith. Moses was there. Apparently, God can use people who have anger issues. Who knew? Wasn't all Moses had. Moses also had these speaking issues. Uh, Exodus 4.10. Oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, we don't know what Moses struggled with, Was it whether he had a lisp or whether he stuttered. Or maybe he was just, you know, getting in front of people was scary and he didn't want to do it. And that, that one ought to get, that's one of the biggest fears that people have is standing up in front of people and talking. You know, so he wouldn't be the first or the last if that was it. But God responded to him. He wouldn't have any of it. He's <laughs> he knows what he can do with any and all of us, including Moses, including you, including me. And said, so, you know, I, just as an aside, you know that I used to ditch classes in high school be- rather than give an oral presentation? I could not stand up in front of a group and speak. I don't know what happened. It's crazy. God says this, though. Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And and it's easy to kind of go, well, that was Moses. But how many of us have told God the same thing, right? God, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. And God says to us, "Who gave humans their mouth? Is it not I? He, I? You know, I help you to hear. I gave you hearing. I gave you sight." Now go, I will help you speak. I will te- teach you what to say. Most of us argue with God about this, right? Most of us argue, well, I just kind of want to be in the background. I don't really want to be in the, in the front, you know. I, I, I won't know what to say. And what God says to that, he says, I need you to be just my witness. I just tell people what you have heard and seen and experienced Of me, that's all that I need you to do. But I don't know the Bible well enough. Well, here's what I need from you. I need you to be my witness. I need you to tell what you have heard and what you have seen and what you have experienced of me. But I'm not just, I'm not good talking to strangers. I need you to just tell people what you have seen and heard and experienced of me. But what if they reject me? Tell people what you have seen and heard and experienced of me. I'm not a Bible scholar. Tell people what you have heard and seen and experienced of me. We are witnesses. It's uncomplicated. We complicate it. You know, I read a book called Love Does this, this over, over two days. it was it's a good book. I recommend it. And in that, he, he said, you know, I don't do Bible studies anymore. I do Bible doing. Because if we just study You know, that doesn't get us anywhere. But if we apply what we learn, Bible doing, how about that? You know, Francis Chan hits on people about that too. You know, it's it's important that we get out of just internally taking stuff in and get to where we can use stuff out. See, the list goes on and on about what our reason for not following or not answering God is. And most of us do argue. I certainly argued with my calling you know um, two thousand three god kind of started knocking on me and saying look i'd like for you to go and you know get and i want you to be a pastor in the church and i'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict and i'm like that isn't me and you know that's there's no pastor you can't be a pastor and have my history it just the two things didn't jive for me so and by the way i'm also doing pretty well i'm you know working here in hall county a government setting people you know i pray with people on a pretty regular basis Um, you know we're reaching people where I'm involved in drug courts and DUI courts you know we started one of the first DUI courts in the in the state and and so we're reaching people and helping people get their lives back together drug court treatment courts are our courts if you have a substance abuse problem then rather than just put you in jail we Provide a treatment process to try to, to help so that you can get your life back together. We started a family treatment court to help parents who had lost custody of their kids to get their kids back. Uh, you know, prevention track for folks that weren't yet addicts, but maybe we could intervene. So we're doing all this is going on. So I've, in my head, I'm like, I'm doing good stuff. And it wasn't that it was bad stuff, it was good stuff, except God was going, I really want you to go be who you are in the church. I don't want you to be anything. Don't, you ain't no Billy Graham. <laughs> Just go be Mike Divine. You know, but it didn't make sense to me. So for four years, I argued with him. And then I finally said, okay, here's the deal. Because that's what we do, right? Okay, I'll make a deal with you. It, I'll apply to seminary, and I can't afford to go to seminary. So if, if you give me financial aid enough to get me through, then I'll go ahead and do that. So I applied to seminary, and I didn't get accepted. And so, no, that's not true. Um, I got accepted, so I gave my nine months' notice <laughs> and, and, and went to seminary. You know, and I argued like most of us do. So if that's you and you know that there's a calling on your life, you know, you can keep arguing, but there will come a point. The point came for me where I knew that to keep saying no was to be directly disobedient to what God would have me to do. And that is a very intolerable place to be. So you get to keep saying no as long as you want, but it will continue to get uncomfortable. So if you know there's a calling in your life and a place for you, I challenge you and encourage you, jump in. Jump in. God's a big God. Yeah. He used Moses. Moses had more issues than even anger and, and, and uh, his lisp or whatever it was. This is a crazy one, but, but he had a belief issue he did not believe that God existed, obviously. He had seen God. He just didn't think that God could do what God said he was going to do. Exodus 3.11 says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, God, you picked the wrong guy. Can't use me. He believed the people would doubt him too. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what do I tell them? You know, he's, he's just trying to figure out, how do I get out of this? And then he directly kind of, he didn't believe the Egyptians would. So they, what if they don't believe me or listen to me the Lord, and tell me that the Lord did not appear to you? What do I do then? And the last one's my favorite because he's at the end of his rope, right? Because rope, right? in ex- Exodus 4.13, he says, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm out of excuses. Just send anybody else. And probably every one of us at some time or another have tried to use these excuses with God. It's okay. You know, God's used to them. He's heard them. But God, by his very nature, never has the wrong phone number, never has the wrong address. When he taps you on the shoulder, it's not a mistake. You're not a mistake. And the calling that you have is your calling. He delights in using unlikely heroes. Now, here's a few more.
1: Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed, a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted, and so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified.
0: Get in line. God calls us to a task he will equip us and enable us to complete that task and each of us is called I hope that the story of Moses kind of affirms that you know God will use you you know between Daniel and Moses we've kind of covered the gamut of folks in the, in the church Moses went from murderer and fugitive to one of the most revered figures in scripture one of the strongest leaders that, that ever was you know and it just took God getting a hold of him Moses was imperfect, (laughs) clearly imperfect, and God used him in incredible ways. Here's the thing, and this is the question of this day, because God is still searching for imperfect people like Moses, like me, like you. He's searching for you. He's asking the question, will you answer the calling that I've given to you? No one can answer that for you, but I hope you say yes.